0: Listen, you know this. uh, Today we start a new series uh, called Unshakable Hope, and uh, we're glad you're here because um, your hope is is found in God, and um, I I I say that without reservation, without question. That my experience and the truth of the Word of God tells us that our hope is in Him. He is the God of all hope, is what the Scriptures tell us, and so. This morning, as we start off to talk about this, uh, this topic of hope and some different aspects in Scripture, uh, would you join me in prayer? Let's just ask the Lord help us one more time here as we get into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just telling you uh, and acknowledging before you that we need you. And we all come here from different places, different walks of life, different, we're on different stages of life. And so, Lord, but we we all need you. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit, uh, help us all to remember and to know, maybe for the first time for some of us, that you are our only hope, God. And our hope is to be put in you. And, Father, it doesn't matter how far we wander, that you are always a seeking God. You are always seeking to save the lost. You are always the one to go after, even though there's just one lost sheep. Your heart is to go after the one and leave the 99. And um, you go all out on an all-out search. And, um, Lord, I'm just thankful, so thankful that there is uh, hope for the prodigal, and uh, Lord, this morning we, we want to just lift up uh, our church family, uh, anyone here also that might be just struggling with physical ailments. Lord, we pray for your healing power to be upon them, and we pray, God, that uh, we, we just invite you to come and visit us and to, to strengthen our spirits, God, and uh, this, this is about you. It's not about us, and so, Lord, we want to worship you uh, through... Um, interacting with you through the word of God. And so, Lord, we just pray for your blessing on this time. We pray, uh, quicken our spirit, God, to connect with you and your word and help us to respond uh, to your word in a way that uh, would be in accordance with what we're talking about today. And, Lord, we need your help for that. And so, Lord, we look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so this morning we're talking about uh, hope for the prodigal. You know, there's, one, there's, there's uh, one upside and one downside to talking about the prodigal son. Uh, the upside is uh, everybody usually knows about it. The downside is everybody usually knows about it. Uh, but that's okay because um, if you're like me, I forget some things. I need to be reminded of the truths behind this parable. Uh, Or maybe when I say the prodigal son story, you have no reference, and that's okay. That's all right, because we're going to talk about this story today uh, of the prodigal son. And it's it's important for us to understand uh, we're we're about ready to drop into the middle of a series of three stories, okay? We're only going to talk about the one. Uh, the prodigal son. But we need, it's important for us to realize that this started off, the reason Jesus told this story is because uh, there was an issue that came up uh, with the scribes and Pharisees, some of the religious leaders. They had an issue. Let's see what the issue was. Here in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Speaking of Jesus, drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes, scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. So you see, this is the setup. Uh, oftentimes Jesus would tell these uh, parables, these stories with a point, because he's basically responding to an issue. And what better way to learn sometimes than through a story, right? And so here we go. Uh, we're, we're diving into the deep end with Jesus as he's saying, you know, these Pharisees and scribes, these religious leaders had a problem that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Now, most of us could understand a hesitancy to hang out with tax collectors. Okay, we get that. Um, but, you know, sinners, uh, you know, what's a sinner? Well, uh, I mean, there's probably different ways you could kind of like give a very broad definition of that, uh, but but basically, in this context, the sinners were people that the Pharisees thought were really far from God. Pharisees and scribes didn't really see, you know, they, they, they felt like they're checking off all the religious, you know, uh, things to do, uh, but their hearts were far from God, right? Well, the sinners they knew <laughs> that they needed God, they knew their lives were a wreck, okay? And so their hearts were inclined to run to a merciful God, to run to a God who forgives, right? They knew their need, you get it? So, so this is uh, what's happening here is Jesus is telling some stories with a point. And, and don't miss this because uh, even though we're not gonna hit the first two stories, the first story is about a lost sheep. I alluded to it when I, in my prayer, right? That there's a lost sheep Uh, you know, and out of the 100, the one goes astray, and and the the good shepherd goes after it, right? And then there's rejoicing when they find the lost sheep. And then the next story that comes after that in Luke 15 is about a lost coin, a woman who's lost a coin, all right? And so there's an all-out search that goes on, and then when she finds it, there's much rejoicing. There's a party, right? So, uh, and then we get to this story that we'll read here in a second, But you will see that common theme. There's something lost, an all-out search, and then a party whenever that thing is found or whenever that person is found. And we need to see that God is like that. God is, is always on the lookout for the lost. He's always seeking for the lost. And that's good news for us, by the way, if you didn't know that. All right, so let me read to you here um, the story of uh, the prodigal son. So I'll just read the passages. It's Luke 15, 11 to 32. And it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose and in, in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field, fields to feed his pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the, the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his son, when, when, when this son of yours came, he has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. So we have this story here. And what I want us to look at, there's basically four things. And the first thing is that we're going to look at is is the far country. The far country. And what we see here in, in the early part of this parable or this story is that the son comes to his father and says, Give me my share of the inheritance. Can you imagine? Okay, parents, can you imagine one of your children coming to you and saying, Hey, I'd like the stuff that you're going to give me when you're dead now? They might go to see the Lord before me. I mean, you know, what is that about? Uh, you know, it's just, it's shocking, isn't it? It's shocking that this young son would ask his father for his share of the inheritance. What we need to see here is that um, this is really... It's not just about the money, by the way, because he didn't stay there. It didn't say that he stayed there and then just, you know, lived in that town. What did he do? He went to a far country. He went far away from dad, far away from dad's values, Far away from dad's rules. He wanted independence. He wanted to be separate from all these things that he was being brought up with. And I think this is this is really in the heart of every person that's ever born. As we have this independence. We want to have an independent spirit from God. We don't think of it that way, but that's what's happening, right? His request was that he wanted to live, you know, he wanted the money, but he wanted to go out there and he didn't want to live according to the father's ways. Because, and we know he didn't, right? We know he, he, he didn't. He went on, right, to squander it all, right? He went to live in the far country. It says he squandered his property in reckless living. The elder brother tells us at the end of the story, at least if we want to trust his word, that he must have, you know, done some pretty wild living, right? He 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 paid some prostitutes supposedly and he was going to figure out what he felt like the good life was, right? All the things that he was maybe being restrained from doing if he's going to live according to his father's ways. And so, he makes this rather bold declaration of independence. And really think about that. Isn't that what sin is? Sin is a declaration of independence from God. We're saying, I want to do it my way, not God's way. That's sin, right? Sin you might think of as any action or attitude or thought contrary to God's will. And so he's making a declaration. He doesn't want to be a part of that family anymore. He wants to go to a far country right? And he wants to experience all these things that he thinks will give him life that will be so much fun. And, and you know, frankly, dad's a killjoy. You know, he's, I, again, I don't know all the things he's thinking, but he's, he's certainly saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to go live this way because I think that's going to be better. And this is what happens, though. This is what happens in the heart of every person, like I said, who's born into this world. We're born in sin and and this sin really is uh, ultimately uh, a declaration of independence from God. And we want to do things our own way. And we don't want to honor God as God, right? In the book of Romans, it says in chapter 1, it talks about anyone who's separated from God, anyone who, right, which is we're all born into this world separated from God. In Romans 121, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Isn't that interesting? Right? So when we're living a life of sin, we're basically saying, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. And even though I might know he is God, I'm not going to honor him as God in my life. That's, what ha- that's true of every person who's been ever been born in this world since Adam and Eve. This is what sin does. And so so what's happening here is, and actually, when we think about prodigals, I want you to think about maybe a couple different kinds of prodigals, okay? Um, There's that prodigal who has never acknowledged God as God in their life, uh, who's never gotten to the place where they've turned to God and sought out his mercy and forgiveness, ever, okay? And... uh, and, and so that's one kind of prodigal, if you will. And then there's another kind of prodigal I want to throw out to you, and that is the prodigal is one who has put their faith in Christ, acknowledged their need for God's mercy of grace and forgiveness, but at some point since then has fallen into a life of sin and wandered off to a far country, right? Some, and, and, and frankly, uh, I've been both of these personally, okay? There was a time when I came to faith in Christ, okay, my early college years, uh, where I was uh, awakened, if you will, to the grace of God, understanding that Christ died for my sins and that I needed to make a personal decision to accept what he did on the cross for my own self, okay? That my parents' faith was not good enough to carry me across the the line of faith, uh, that I had to make a decision myself. And I did that. But there was a time, too, after that, where uh, I got caught up in some sin, and when you're caught up in sin, because sin promises things that it can't ultimately deliver. Uh, if you don't know that, uh, well, just you're going to figure that out. Okay, it always overpromises and underdelivers. Okay, and so I got caught in some stuff, and thankfully, I had some uh, loving brothers in Christ who loved me back to the fold. And I was so thankful for that. But ultimately, that was God's mercy, by the way, seeking me out. That was his His grace seeking me out. So I had a relationship with God, but I fell off the path. Okay, I had a relationship with God, but I fell off the path. And that's a kind of prodigal too. All right, That's a kind of prodigal too. So there's some who have never put their faith in Christ, don't have any kind of relationship with God uh, other than just by name or uh, have some kind of familiar notion of who God is, but don't really have a true relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But then others who have a relationship with Jesus and have wandered from the way. And so that could be some of us here this morning, okay? And and and, and if so, then I praise God we're giving this message today because there is hope for the prodigal. No matter which kind of prodigal you are. You might even say there's a third kind of prodigal. We'll get that to the end, the elder brother, Okay, he had his own issues, okay, and we'll get to those at the end but but listen, um we just need to talk about this independent spirit from God thing for a second here, because you know, why do we go after sin because it's fun, right? If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. I mean, you know, none of us likes pain, okay right so but there is a certain pleasure in living a life of sin. But as I said before, it's short-lived, right? It's short-lived, and many times there are consequences for those sinful lifestyles. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 says this, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, listen, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You get that? To enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So yes, it is enjoyable. Yes, there are things that are enticing to us that are enjoyable for a season, but that's just it, for a season. Sin ultimately is destructive. And so this young man in the story, this type of prodigal, as he leaves his father's place and he squanders all that money uh, and, and he is, he is really going to have to learn that lesson that, you know what, it looks good and it feels good for a while, but he's going to wake up to reality in just a short while, right, as we saw in the story. So um so the far country is fun but it's not going to last. And then we kind of come to the part of the story here so he he's good and lost if you will uh in the first part and then we get to the part here where he is going to wake up and we see the prodigal's return. Now in verse 17 so here he is by the way did you catch a little bit of the irony here I mean presumably this is a Jewish boy right uh Jesus is giving an analogy to these religious Jewish leaders, and maybe I'm reading into it. Uh, maybe I am. But I think this is, he's really saying, this is where does he end up? In a pig pen. Any issues with Jewish faith and pigs? Absolutely, right? It's an unclean animal. The only job he could find was on a pig farm. And then... Do you see what happened? A famine came. A famine came, right? I mean, it's just, let me tell you what. God uses all kinds of circumstances to get prodigals to come home. Some of them are very painful, right? And I don't know if uh, maybe you're not a prodigal, but maybe you've known a prodigal. Maybe you have a child who's a prodigal, right? And uh, the scariest prayer to pray for a prodigal but I think can be appropriate is, Lord, I don't know what you have to do, but do what you have to do so they'll come back to you. That's a very scary prayer, but I think appropriate one. And here this this, uh, young man, in verse 17 of Luke 15, it says, but when he came to himself, right, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? So, this is this is good news, right? He's waking up to the fact that he's he, he's he's lived the life that he thought was going to be so great. It turned out to be a tragedy for him, right? Where were all the people he probably spent all his money on? Yeah, those people that are just those those friends that are just you know in for the good times, right? Probably hanging out the bars with him, whatever he was doing, right? They're all gone now. The money ran out, and so. He's coming to his senses, and as hard as this experience has been for him, right, he he is, this is a good thing, right? He had to get to the end of himself. How many times have you heard someone say, I had to hit rock bottom, right, before I finally looked up and realized where the answer was, and that was God. Because what is the first thing he does when he comes to his senses? He thinks about his dad. He's like, I really do need my father. I really do need to be at home with him. Those things, his way of living, it was the right thing, and I need that. But it took this experience for him to figure this out. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, those who build it, labor in vain. I think that's, that's a good verse that relates to this story. Because on, on the prodigal's list, his father uh, got moved way down on the list, right? He, he didn't want anything to do with his dad. He didn't want anything to do with, with daddy's ways. But now he's saying, no, that is the way. That is what I need to do. I need to be connected to my father. I need to be a part of his house. In that verse, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house. Think about this. Unless God is first in your life, you put him in first position, acknowledging him as God. And having the right and the say over every area of your life. You know, that's, what, that's where we need to be. Because by definition, that's God's right. He made us. And if you're a son or daughter of the Lord, by putting your faith in Christ, you've, you've come to in a relationship with God through Jesus. You know, he is the Lord, okay? And, and what we want to do is we want to live a life that's pleasing to him. Not so that we can earn our way into the family, but just it's just the way that we live in His family, right? There's a difference. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And so, so his pig pen experience woke him up, and he decided in verse twenty, the very first part of Luke fifteen, verse twenty. What does it say? He arose and he came to his father. Oh, those are the best words ever, man. In this story, he came to his senses. That's kind of a repentance, right? That's a repentance. That's he, he had a change of mind and then a change of direction, right? It wasn't he just didn't make a declaration. He actually did something about it, right? And that's what needs to happen with every one of us, right? Um, if you don't have a if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you have to repent of your sin. You have to turn from that, acknowledge that it's an issue that independent spirit from God and his ways and turn to Jesus and receive his forgiveness, and that all that he did on the cross, uh, you know, he, he, he bled and died there in exchange for your forgiveness. But it only counts if you decide to receive that, right? And so this is, this is what happened. He, he came to his senses, and he, so he repented. It's like, what I've been doing is not right? And then he turns and comes to the Father, right? And if that's where you are in your life, you need to see that your God, right, is wanting you to turn to him. He's wanting you to look to him, right? When you realize that all the things that you thought would give you life and fill all your tanks actually uh, leave you empty. They leave you empty, right? So, then we have, he turns to go to the father and then we see the father's welcome. The father's welcome here and starting in the second part of verse 20. And I love this because, you know, you know, if, again, in this story, the father is God, right? He represents God. And listen, so we, so we pick up on the attitudes and the actions of God here. Verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, So as the sun is coming back, you can just picture it in your mind. You know, I lived out in the country for many years. I grew up in the country, and and many of my friends had long lanes that went back a farm, you know. And one of these lanes, they had to be a quarter mile. And I'm just imagining this picture and that father and the sun coming down at the entrance to the lane and walking back to the farmhouse. And this little speck is just getting bigger and bigger as the sun is coming close to the father. But the father is looking for him. Did you get that? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So his father was waiting there, if you will, on the porch, looking for his return. He couldn't wait. He longed for his return. And we need to see that's God's attitude towards us. If you're a prodigal, you need to see God's not sitting there you know, wanting to grind you into a pulp because for what you've done, he wants you to experience his forgiveness and he wants you to come and see that he is moving towards you. He is seeking after you. And yes, he might be doing all kinds of things and working through all kinds of circumstances so you would run to him and see that he is moving towards you. Amen? So that's, the way, that's the way our God is. And I think, The enemy of our souls, Satan, does not want us to see God that way. He wants us to think of God as, you know, and yes, God does judge and he he does have wrath. Yeah, that's true, okay? But he also is forgiving and merciful, okay? And so so what what this son was doing, he was casting himself on his father's mercy. Do you hear what he says when he gets back? So so it says his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. His son had the speech prepared. Did you catch that? He was rehearsing like, okay, dad, I know I really screwed up. You're probably not gonna want me back as a son. And that's cool because your hired hands live better than I've been living. So I'll just live as a hired hand. I'll be in the guest house, whatever. But did you see his dad didn't even stop to, he's like, there's no negotiation. Verse 21, uh, so, so the son says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted cat and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. He's like, no, you are my son. You've returned to me You have repented. You've come home. We're celebrating. We're not going to relegate you to the back row of the family. That's not how we work here in the kingdom of God. When you come home and you repent and you turn to God, he's like, "You're, you're fully restored. God is looking for you to come home if you're a prodigal. He's looking for you to come to him and, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, all the things that we think will make us happy in this world, um, they're empty apart from God. I mean, you know, money's not bad. The love of money's bad, but money's not bad. You know, things are not evil. Things can be used for evil things. But I'm just saying that God wants us to enjoy those things in light of him with him, if you will, okay? Not apart from him. And so John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, you know, uh, the enemy of that young man's soul, the devil, he would have loved for him just to stay in that pig pen and sit there in his mind and say, there's no way daddy's gonna take me back. No, he would just say, he would love for him just to die there. And that's what it says. The thief, that's that's the enemy of our soul, the devil. He, He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of the life that God has for you in Jesus Christ. He's all about promising things that he cannot deliver on. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life as it was meant to be experienced is found only in Jesus Christ. That's it. That is all, right. And this is what this is is picturing for us here. This declaration of independence he was making from God and His ways, or His Father and His ways, right? He came to the realization that that's not right. That's empty was fun for a while but that's not what I was meant for I was meant for a relationship with my father I was meant to be in his house and that's the way it is for all of us Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with the living God that's what we were meant for but when sin entered this world in the you know when Adam and Eve made that decision and don't just blame Adam and Eve, because we make our own choices now, too. Right? But because of that, right? nobody is born into this world with a relationship with God, being a part of God's family. And so what I want to say today, just, just uh, before I get to the, to the self-righteous uh, elder brother here, is just to say, you know, if you're a prodigal, whether you've never come to Christ and put your faith in him or whether you have a relationship with Christ and have wandered, why not come home today? Why not see this as not some like, oh, what a coincidence that we hit on this today, but why not this is God speaking to your heart and saying, I have brought you to this day so that you'll come back home and see him as that God who was ready and willing to forgive anyone who has a repentant heart and comes to their senses that what they're doing is not what God wants and it's not his design. Now, what about this elder brother? At the end of the story, it's a very interesting little twist, isn't it? I mean, just when you thought we had the, the punchline, then Jesus brings in the story here, the elder brother. And do you remember What happened? Right as, as the party is starting, the brother is out in the field working. And he's like, talks to one of the hard. says, said, what's going on? Is there something I didn't put on my calendar? What's happening? And then he finds out that his daddy's throwing a party for the guy, for the, his brother who squandered it all away on wild living. He went through the roof. Did you catch what he said? Your son. You catch those words? He said, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, he says, when this son of yours came, he has devoured your property and prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him, this son of yours. He wasn't even going to identify with him as his brother. He was so mad. Why was he so mad? Well, I think one take on that is that the older brother was a little bit self-righteous. He was kind of thinking about I I'm the dutiful brother. I've always done what you asked me to do. Check, check, check. Just like the Pharisees. We're doing everything. We're even tithing our mill, our dill and mint and all the little things, you know. They're they're doing all these things, but their his heart really wasn't necessarily with the father, I think. This this elder brother, he had his own problem. He he was a religious just trying to crank out this relationship through doing stuff. It's like he he didn't want to see his father express his grace and mercy like this. He did not want, he's like, that's not how it should be. You know, kick him out. You know? No, he, he didn't get grace and mercy. That's my take on it. He didn't understand what that meant. And that's the Pharisees and the scribes. They didn't understand grace and mercy. They did not get it at all. And so, you know, and his father, you know, to his credit, the father of the story, right? He's, he's like, you know, look these many, uh, he says, um, son, you're always with me. And all this is mine is yours. It's like, I'm not going to withhold anything from you. We're here. But this is something to celebrate. Your brother was lost and he's been found. And that's the way God is. He wants us to see his mercy and grace flowing from him. Um, This last verse I'll leave with you here, Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, really nails the idea of grace and also speaks to works as well. Um, It it says in, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. In other words, this grace and forgiveness that we receive through Jesus Christ, it's a gift. It's exactly that. It is a gift that God offers to anyone. They simply need to reach out and receive it by faith and saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up and I need you. And you turn to him. And then in verse nine, it says, not a result of works so that no one could boast. In other words, you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your forgiveness. You know, just like that older brother shouldn't see as like he was earning his way to a relationship with his father or to get what, you know, for finally a payday of some sort. No, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Through faith and faith in what Jesus did. Now, verse 10 does talk about works as an after effect, right? After we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Then in verse 10 it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Did you get that? Prepositions are very important. I know you might hate English, a language or language arts or something, but prepositions are important. You're, we're not, uh, so we're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. That's a big difference. S- being saved for good works. In other words, God has a purpose for your life. And when you give your life to Christ and you experience the grace and mercy that we receive from him, he gives us gifts, right? Gifts that are to be used for him to accomplish works, as it says. This is pretty cool which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, that's pretty cool. When you know that God has stuff, I mean, think about, who knows the Blues Brothers? Right? I'm on a mission from God. Thank you. A mission from God. I'm on a mission from God. You, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come home to God, you're on a mission from God. He's got he's prepared stuff for you to do. And then it's a matter of what is it? Right? <laughs> well, every day by God's grace, let's get up and say, "Lord, I'm yours. Let me be aware of you working today. Use me. Just use me." I mean, just that simple prayer, "Use me, Lord, for your glory." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning just thankful. So thankful for this story with a point, which every parable is that. And so, thank you we have a loving God, a merciful God. He doesn't shade on the truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He doesn't shade on the truth, but he is full of grace too. And for anyone who returns to him, who will who will turn away from sin and acknowledge their sin and turn to Christ, turn to God the Father. He's waiting. He's waiting there and can't wait for people to return to him. And so, Lord, by your grace and your mercy, would you help any one of us here today, anyone listening online to come home to you this morning? if that's the appropriate response. Or if some of us, you know, we're already home with you and we have a prodigal in our life, let us not lose hope. There is hope for the prodigal. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.